1: They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of.
2: Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Go Wild. Now the go wild app has added some really cool and exciting functionality to their app. And the first one I want to talk about is the near me function. And basically what this does, it allows you to engage and connect with people in your area. You guys can talk about gear. You guys can talk about hunting areas. You guys can talk about what's going on in the woods and it just allows the users to be more of a community and connect easier. The second part, is the gearbox and what the gearbox is it is a an opportunity for the users to not only see reviews on products and see what the go wild community is using in the field what products they're using but it also allows you guys to purchase up to a hundred and fifty thousand products there's you, there's a shopping function on it so Check out the Go Wild app. If you haven't downloaded it to your phone yet, you need to, and you can do that at any app store that is currently available. Go Wild—it's an awesome app. Check them out.
3: My name is Clay Newcomb, and I'm the host of the Bear Honey Magazine podcast. I'll also be your host into the world of hunting—the icon. North American wilderness, the bear. We'll talk about tactics, gear, conservation, but we'll also bring you into some of the wildest country on the planet, Chasing Bear. This week, we're putting it in a little bit different gear, and I've got my buddy Josh Spillmaker, Malachi Nichols, and Ben LeGrone at the global headquarters. We have... A pretty enlightening discussion about how Malachi gave me the stiff arm on going in partners on a boat. We talked about the Gary Newcomb Hunting School of Hard Knocks summer camp that Josh Billmaker attended, and we talk about building family culture. Building family culture in a time of crisis and instability. I think the the response of of anybody the people that they love is to, to to build stability for them. And so we have a, a really fun conversation about building family culture, what that means, values, philosophies, culture. And I think you're going to enjoy this podcast. We just went to print with the July-August issue of Bear Hunting Magazine. It is a great issue, a lot of great articles, some llama articles, some hound a lot of hound stuff Uh, we even teach people how to make some bear hide chaps anyway check out bear hunting magazine you can subscribe to bear hunting magazine get it six times per year mailed to your door incredible incredible thing hey hope you enjoy this podcast we are at the bear hunting magazine global headquarters I think I know all of you have been here before. Yeah. Yes, at uh, one time or another. This is Ben's <laughs> first time on the podcast. Though. Well, and Malachi's yep, first time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But not Josh's first time. Well, hey, we are uh, we're at the Bear Hunting Magazine Global Headquarters. Do you got? Did you guys notice anything new in here? Hmm. It kind of smells like mothballs. Okay. That is new. Is yes. that yes. is that snake deterrent? Um, it's. It, <laughs> I feel like the moths are trying to get to my bears. Okay, guys, it's a little more obvious than what you're feeling.
4: The table, the table. The ta- the table. <laughs> <I got it. laughs>
3: Look at that the table. Fox hunting table. I love it. <laughs> Look at that. This is like a. This is like a card table. Yeah, that's I cool. I bought this at an antique store. Okay. And it's it's a like a probably a two by two two and a half by two and a half square table with fold out legs. And it's old. It's got to it be old. very old. And it has this beautiful old painting of a, of a fox hunting scene, certainly from Europe. And it's like it's like got all these running walkers and these guys on horses. And uh, I like that this, this lady's like bringing uh, her man some food here. You see that?
0: <laughs> I told Misty, I said, I mean, you, you know.
3: You could bring me food while I was riding my mule if you wanted to. Are you um, going to
0: put a thatched roof on your house? Yeah, thatched roof,
3: <laughs> but so when I saw this, like I was like, this is the foundational stuff from where we get our hound hunting culture in mm-hmm. North America is from the European hunting culture, and I'm sitting there in this uh, in this antique store looking at this. And, and it's like this rich cultural scene. I mean, I like it. Like families are involved. Mm-hmm. You know, think about the guys that bred. I mean, there's like 25 dogs there. Those horses had to be trained. Those didn't just, they weren't just born trained. Somebody trained those horses. Somebody developed a craft. Somebody bred those dogs. That The families, you know, the how. And that, my friends is no longer in existence for the most part. Mm-hmm. The European hound hunting culture is gone. Huh. Essentially gone. They, it's still there. I'll, I'll have people write in and say, no, we still hunt. And they do. There's a few, but in general, it is gone. So I came back, talked to Colby about it, told him what I saw. And uh, I went back and I bought this. And do you know what I'm going to do with We're actually using it as a table here today. I got all my podcast stuff set up on it. I, it, it looks like a picture frame though, doesn't it? Yeah. Like So the tabletop uh-huh. looks like a picture right. frame. I'm going to take the legs off of that thing mm-hmm. because I don't really need a table in here, even though it's kind of convenient. And I'm going to put it as a picture right above your head. Do you see that? So if The guys are looking up yeah. right, right there. Oh, really? on the ceiling. On the ceiling. Huh. Of the loft here. So there's going to be a... Big painting of this European hound hunt on the ceiling. What? The Bear Hunting Magazine global headquarters.
5: Now, why the ceiling?
3: Oh, he teased me up. <laughs> I didn't tell him. <laughs> I was like confused. He's like, why, "Why the ceiling?" <laughs> so that people walk in here and say, "Why is that painting on the ceiling?" And I'm gonna say, "Cause they didn't guard the gate." Oh, hmm. they didn't guard the gate. Yeah, th- that that scene is no longer on the earth. It's not on the flat wall. I got pictures all in here yeah. of all this honey, all this culture, all this life, all this shared experience. And this is still here. You know, we can still hunt deer. We still quail hunt. We still ride our mules and bear hunt. But that they don't. And I want my children to be able to jump on a mule and go coon hunting. So it's gonna be there as a symbolic, as a symbolic gesture to we better guard the gate. Do you know what guard the gate means, Malachi? Ben, Ben and Malachi are no. Okay, explain, explain. Gu- essentially, guard the gate is a phrase that we use, Bear Hunting Magazine, huh. to say that uh, the bear hunting is the entry point for the anti-hunting community to come into to the North American space of hunting. Like they're not after the quail hunters, they're not after the deer hunters. Right. It's the bear hunters, and it's also the hound hunters like hound hunting is an easy narrative for people to twist and for someone to not understand. Right, And so that is the easy place for the anti-hunting community to come in and twist the narrative and say, these are barbarians. This is an outdated, irrelevant practice. And so, and the anti-hunting community's whole strategy is incrementalism. Like they're picking off one thing at a time. So much so like a frog in boiling water you know you don't realize it until you wake up and you're 70 and you can't do what you used to could do. Mm-hmm. And so it's a it's a it's a pretty big we talk about that a lot because the hunting the hunting world has sort of been ignored or the bear hunting world, excuse me. And so what we're trying to do is build this strong narrative of ethics, conservation, humane harvest, like all these things like why bear hunting is no different than any other type of hunting and how harvesting wild game is no different. In 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 fact more humane than the bacon that we just ate in there. Yeah. I mean, you live in a glass house if you think that that bacon was uh was ethically and honorably raised and harvested. <laughs> yeah. I mean range. and people, people don't have a problem with that. Yeah. I mean like, but then they might say they have a problem with me going and killing a bear.
0: Yeah.
3: And it's like Nah, we got to guard the gate because and, that, that doesn't make sense. And
0: to your point, Clay, just thinking about the origins of of kind of our hunting tradition, even to date, when you look back at, at historical references like this, it's not there anymore. And all those things have died off. So if we don't do something now, we're going to, we would l- logically have to expect that the traditions we have now will die
3: off. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, we live in a... The, the very nature of the earth today is one of massive increase of communication. Used to, things could hide in the shadows and kind of just be out of sight. Not anymore. Social media is is wreaking havoc on a whole lot of stuff. Not just hunting, but it's like, it's like showing the world. And so globalization, like people from all over the world follow social media from north america and the answer is not to quit putting stuff on social media part of the answer is don't put stupid stuff on social media don't put fringe stuff that doesn't happen very often and that's just the very nature of the problem is that when something sensational happens like in a hunting situation like say you know that's what you want to talk about because the other 400 days that you went hunting that didn't happen and so you put this sensational thing on the internet, and then that brands the whole scene. Right. And so you know we ought, we do have to part of guarding the gate is having wisdom with what you put on social media about hunting, uh, because every facet of hunting, every facet of farming, every facet of driving a car down the road, uh, driving a car down the road can have a bad narrative. People die in crash, mm-hmm. so it'd be like putting a picture of a crashed car and someone injured in a photo. And put it on social media and in the world, saying cars are terrible. Mm-hmm. Cars kill people. Well, yeah, they do, but most of the time they don't. You with me? Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. There's so much. <laughs> there's just there's just Malika, so much information. With oh, I'm with you. Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. Okay. There's so much information out there that it's like anything we see now has to be sensationalized yeah. for us for it to get our attention.
3: Yeah, it's true.
0: It's Clickbait, true. man.
3: Clickbait. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, okay. I did I really didn't intend for <laughs> 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 I love it. I had to tell y'all about my table though. That's this cool. is this is gonna be major. This is gonna be a major addition to the pair. so hey <laughs> let me introduce my guests, okay? Uh I have I'm gonna I'm gonna give a short introduction, then come back and give a longer introduction. So I have Josh Spillmaker. Now, Josh has been on the podcast before. Uh Josh is like well, I'm not going to talk. I'm going to give you an introduction. To that. And then we have Malachi Nichols. Yeah, yeah, Malachi, yeah. longtime friend, but you've yeah. never been on the podcast. Nope, nope. Okay. And then to my left, Benjamin Legron. Woo. Um, <laughs> Ben's <laughs> waving to the crowd. Now, ben has, the live uh, ben has never been on the podcast. And there's different reasons why I, I've I've I have you guys on this podcast, because we're all at different stages of life. Yeah. Except for Josh and I are kind of in the same stage. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but so we're going to, we'll talk about, well, so Ben, you have three daughters.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: How old are they? Six, four, and two. So you're like in the heat at the oh, moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. so And then Malachi, how many kids do you have? No kids. Oh, <laughs> no. Malachi kids. doesn't have any kids. No oh, kids. Malachi's pretty newly married. Yeah. Uh, how old are you, Malachi? 28. 28. How old are you, Ben? 32. 32. Okay. And Josh... You have three
0: kids. I have three children, yeah, my oldest is twenty. My middle one is eighteen, and my youngest is fourteen.
3: yeah, girl, boy, girl, yeah, so what we're gonna talk about today is is uh is building family culture. We may find a different phrase to use, but that's the way that I would describe uh-huh. it, so I wanted to I wanted to hear some stuff from the guy who is future casting of what with kids, but I mean, you're already building family culture, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been married
5: for about three and a half years, and-
3: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you're not future casting, but you're you're building foundation right. big time yeah, yeah. for when you do have kids. Uh-huh. And then and then Ben is right in the heat of it. So just different stages. But before we do that, I wanted to I wanted to so Josh, I don't think these guys know that you used to be the assistant uh <laughs>
0: assistant to assistant
3: <laughs> to the editor. Have a small regional publication that I used I vaguely to remember
0: put that. together. Huh. It was called the Arkansas Bear and Buck Journal. Mm. It was a very classy publication. <laughs> yeah, about that, hey, oh,
3: listen. One day Two I was uh, in the one day <laughs> I, was, uh, I was I was I d- was building this magazine. I mean, it was I published the magazine. I mean, like I didn't have a boss, you know. And uh, we were going to print like that day or something, and I was like. It'd be funny to put Josh's name in there. So I put Josh's <laughs> name in the, I put Josh's name in like the, like right beneath mine. And our other buddy, Jonathan Rose. <laughs> yeah. oh, I put, you know, Clay Newcomb, editor, publisher, Josh Spillmaker, Jonathan Rose, assistant editors. <laughs> and then just went right down the line. Nobody ever said a word about it. I did proofread
0: it. a few articles back in my day. Did yeah, you at least I don't hang know it up? that Jonathan
5: Rose did. Did you hang up the journal, at least? I think office? I still have some well, I, of them.
3: I mean, there's probably some right over there <laughs> that have your name. Because once I did it, I never took it out. <laughs> That's hilarious. You were, you were this, For how many years? Well, I, we produced it for five years. Yeah. You
5: are now liable.
3: <laughs> That's <Yeah>. right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right. So
5: if you get an email, you know why. <laughs> yeah. The
0: yeah. opinions expressed on the Arkansas Barren Buck Journal <laughs> yeah. do not reflect the opinions of Josh. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, okay, so Josh and I have been longtime friends, and... Josh, I was trying to find a way to describe you and I I've I've got it perfect. I mean, you know, because we're setting we have to be conscious of the sphere that we're inside of. And like people that are listening to this, for the most part, are hunters for the most part. So, right. you know, I'm kind of right. introducing sure. you as like the hunting Josh. Okay. Yeah. So here, here, here this this would be like on your resume. Okay. There's only <laughs> been one graduate. Of the Gary Newcomb <laughs> Hunting School of Hard Knocks that graduated, yes, and that would be me. Right, I'm the only one that graduated. Right. My brothers were both in the school. <laughs> they didn't
0: make it. They didn't make it.
3: God love them. There, they're, um, but if I spent Gar- a few semesters, no. Well, listen, if Gary Newcomb had had like a summer camp, <laughs> if the Gary Newcomb School of Hunting Hard Knocks had had a summer camp, yeah. You yeah. would have gone to the summer yep. camp and like got the shirt and like <laughs> yeah. went through it because so for like the better part of on and off for twenty years. Yeah, Josh has you know probably probably fourteen of twenty years. Yeah, fifteen of twenty years. We've gone down and hunted with my dad yeah. down on public land mm-hmm. in Southwest Arkansas. Would you say that's about right? Yeah. So you uh, you you have some Gary Newcomb paraphernalia. A,
0: a a significant <laughs> portion of my hunting gear has come through Gary Newcomb, whether voluntarily or <laughs> involuntarily. <Yeah>. Your bow, <laughs> my bow.
3: You're I, still sporting those uh, real tree camo. Those hats. real tree camo pants that are half ripped up the leg now. <laughs> <laughs> I stole his flashlight, his
0: streamlight flashlight, for about three years before I gave it back.
3: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so, but, but Josh and I've hunted together. On the podcast you were on before, we were talking about generational continuance. We are yes. talking about raising kids. Mm-hmm. We told your famous story of kill it. The first day yep. you bow hunted public yep. land, you killed a deer. Yeah, I tried you,
0: to keep it a secret from you, but you spotted the dime-sized spot of blood on my boots from
3: like two miles away <laughs> yeah, as you yeah. drove up to get me. Yeah. So I took we. we won't go into the full story, but... Josh killed a deer the first day he ever sat in a tree stand bow hunting. Well, well. and he drug he drags the early in the morning. It was like ten his minutes cell after phone. daylight. Heck, we didn't have cell phones no. or anything. So it's like he you know, I was gonna come pick him up at eleven. And so, you know, he killed this deer at like six forty-five AM. So he drags the deer out to the road and uh and goes to sleep.
0: Off the road, kind of off the road. Yeah. Yeah, like by and the He used it for a pillow and took
3: him about a two hour nap. <laughs> That'd be nice. And he, he wakes up and uh there are buzzards surrounding him. Oh, wow. <laughs> so these buzzards were like, dang, Jackpot. we got yeah. a pretty big old boy and a deer. <laughs> they were like, well, I don't know what happened there, but something mm-hmm. happened. And so they landed and were like, about probably to peck his eyeballs yeah. out when he woke up. Yeah. And then you had turkeys walk by yeah. too. Yeah. So yeah. it's a pretty exciting
0: morning. That's so, crazy. yeah.
3: And then, uh, and we've had it an on and off together. I mean, you've coon hunted with me. You've you've done quite a bit of stuff with me. Turkey hunting years.
0: is always an enjoyable time.
3: Yeah, David killed a turkey yeah. with us, and we've turkey youth turkey hunted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we have, yeah, awesome. So in Malachi, you didn't know this, but uh, uh, well, so Ma- Malachi, I- I'm gonna dial this in here in a minute okay. here. Okay. So Malachi is an Arkansas licensed hunter.
5: Oh, yeah. It's real serious. <laughs> I'm up for renewal in end of June. The one year. I'm coming up on my one-year anniversary. Yeah, it's real yeah. serious.
3: So this is your first Arkansas hunting license that you've ever bought, though.
5: Yeah. It is true.
3: Yeah. Grew up in Texas.
5: Grew up in Texas.
3: Yeah. But you did a little bit of hunting in Texas, yeah. but but you wouldn't call yourself a hunter. Oh, definitely not. Yeah. I did
5: a little varmint hunting back in like elementary school with like a little 410. Yeah. Going out shooting varmints with my friend and his dad. In Midland, Texas. In Midland, Texas, yep. And then did a little quail and dove hunting.
3: Hometown of George Hort W. Hometown of George Bush. W.
5: W. Yep. W. Yep. Yep. I don't think I knew that. Hometown of George. See, his dad, uh, George H., did his oil business there. And okay. that's how he got got his money. And then the son was, I don't know if George W. was born there, but I knew he went to elementary school there. And so that's how Midland got famous. How big is Midland? Midland. When I left Midland, it was about two hundred thousand. Now it's oh, wow. close to about three or four hundred thousand. Wow. Where are the people they, coming from? They had a big oil boom, oil wow. money. Yeah, back oil when a couple of couple of years ago, maybe Midland was like the biggest producer in oil.
3: Did the you know that, that, that uh, I heard George H. W. Bush uh-huh. say one time that the difference between him and George, wait, W.
5: W. You talking about the dad or the son?
3: Okay. George W is the son. The son. Yes, yep. George W said the difference between him and his dad uh-huh. was Midland, Texas. Huh. Hmm. Yeah, because George W was kind of like this, you know, kind of folksy, uh-huh. kind of you know, like I don't know, not country he wasn't, boy. Re- yeah, country true, boy. true Texan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, kind of Texan. And and George H uh-huh. was like a rich boy from. Yeah. The north somewhere. Yeah, yeah. A little yep. more polished. Yeah. Yeah.
5: W. Yeah. 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 Midland, Texas is my hometown.
3: So, I want to say to you, though, that you, you're you qualified to call yourself a hunter if you wanted to. And why is that? Because well, I have because, the card? No. Because
5: I've, sh- I've shot?
3: <laughs> I mean, just you went hunting. Yeah. Okay. I mean, and uh you've hunted with me.
5: Yeah. We have coon hunted.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um. And uh, no, he bought his license because we 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 were gonna try to go duck hunting this year, Uh Uh, but we it just didn't happen. Yeah, but uh, but uh, did y'all know that I tried to get Malachi to go in with me? Buy a boat <laughs> Hold on hold on hold on. <laughs> hold on hold on Hold on That's why I wanted To publicly Ask him Why he didn't want To go in with me on, And buy on, a hold boat
5: <laughs> Hold on Hold on Hold on Let me let Listeners Listeners Listen Listen to me Clay and I Were talking one day And we were talking about We had Fried some fish We came over here And had a had a fish fry And he was like Man it's so nice To go out And catch fish Come back home And cook it And it was like Yeah let's do more fishing Okay, so I'm thinking, I'm going to go get a fishing pole, and we're just going to go out to the creek to do a little (laughs) fishing. The next text message from Clay Nucle. What do you think about going in on a boat? And I'm thinking, like, you just want to rent a boat or go out for the weekend? And then he's like, (laughs) no, let's, let's, I'm talking about buying the boat. It's like, oh, (laughs) I just want some fishing poles and a couple of fish every once in a while. I don't want to buy a boat. You know how, like, when you have
3: it, you're texting somebody and they, like, respond back, you know, like, hey, man, what are you doing? Go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then you ask this question and there's, like, silence. And you're like, and, and for, like, the first five minutes, you're like, ah, he must have just set his phone down. And then after like 30 minutes, you're like, he probably went for a run. He, yeah, yeah. And then after an hour, you're like, he's he he's not happy with what i said.
4: Was it something so I said? When, when, so when
3: when Ma- Malachi and I, multiple times we fried fish together. And I can tell the man likes to fry fish. We kind of enjoy like cooking for our wives, doing that. Yeah. And so I'm like, all right, I got a friend. I got a friend that wants to catch fish and so anyway, yeah. I messaged him. I was like, hey, you want to go out on a boat?
5: It went from like zero to like a hundred real. Clay quick. doesn't do anything <laughs> small, man. Real quick.
3: <laughs> so anyway, okay. At least now I know why why you uh stiff me. Um, it's
5: in love though.
3: But okay, the it offer still stands, okay. <laughs> Offer still stands. We do need to go fishing. Um, okay. Benjamin Lagrone. Man, okay, now Ben, Ben has, you have a long history of hunting, but not real, I mean, you're not uh, super serious about it. Would you describe, how would you describe your hunting? I would say
4: I I was really serious growing up. I've just, since I've had three little kids and the thought of trying to add that to my schedule is pretty daunting. You
3: grew up in like deer camps and stuff with your dad in central Arkansas.
4: Mainly deer hunting. The second highest thing I did was probably duck hunting. But you know, I did some squirrel, a little bit of turkey, quail, and all that. But yeah, we—I grew up hunting in um, deep South Arkansas, and for most of my childhood, man, we had a pretty primitive camp. It was rough in it, and that made me pretty battle hardened. I think, and, in a good way. In a good way. Like I knew what it—I knew what it meant to sacrifice for the kill. I mean, I knew hunting was work, you know. Yeah. And you know, we scouted. We 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 tended to the land like we did. Um, it was hard work. And then I remember probably like maybe when I was a teenager, my dad, we kind of got tired of the primitive camp and we joined this membership of, of, it was a luxurious to to our standards, a luxurious deer camp. Mm. We're like, this is awesome. Like you can actually go (laughs) indoors. I mean, our old camp, it was like, it was just like a lean to you. We'd eat in, you know, around the fire. And, uh, and that was like the Ritz, man. And it was actually a, a cool deal because <clears throat> it was a lease, but there was somebody that owned some land and lived there all year long, like real, mm. right next to the lease. And that was really great because we leave our stuff, and it was always safe, and uh, and they were always kind of like keeping their eyes open on, um, how the deer are moving and stuff. And but that was most most of my most cherished childhood memories were deer hunting with my dad and then in high school my best friend started taking me duck hunting and um and I really loved that built a lot of great memories with um him and his dad who recently died of cancer a few years ago mm. and uh but so that's one of my cherished memories with him was was duck hunting and they duck hunted near Stuttgart and it was just it was just a lot of fun
3: yeah so you you do have a you do have a rich history inside of hunting, yeah. And it's it's uh it's interesting. Y- y'all may not know it as much, but like South Arkansas, there's not as much public land, so there's the hunting lease culture is pretty strong. Like you yep. got, and it's affordable. It's not like, yep. I mean, there are certainly big leases down in South Arkansas that are incredibly expensive, like more expensive than you could imagine. Hmm. Um, but I mean, like. A lot of leases that, you know, just a working man could afford to get into. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, so anyway, but like up here, you can't hardly find a hunting lease. Mm -hmm. Like in Northwest Arkansas, if you were to say, if you were to ask me where a hunting lease you could join is, I I wouldn't know where to tell you to go. Uh, But it's probably because there's so much, there's quite a bit of public land around here. So people can go hunt public land and do pretty, do okay. Mm -hmm. But uh, now, you know what I always say is that, so, in what's happening right now with the hunting world is that hunter recruitment is a massive, massive issue. So, technology, transportation, the opportunity inside of a prosperous nation, opportunity just gives people so many options for what they do with their spare time. And for 99% of people, hunting is an option for what to do when they have spare time hmm. and uh, and prosperity creates options. And uh, and so what has happened, you know, the, the peak hunting numbers in the United States were in the early 1980s. And I think we had like 16 million hunters, but the population was like 225 million people. So that was like, I can't remember the percentage. Somebody could do the math, um, but essentially 16, 18%, something like that. And so like, that's actually a pretty no, fair no. number. That's wrong, about
0: half that listeners. Yeah. That's wrong. Yeah, it's half yeah.
3: that. Okay, somewhere around ten percent, yeah, was not it? Below ten percent. Yeah. 8, 10%. Okay. So, so what has happened now is that we have um, eleven million licensed hunters in the U.S., but the U.S. population is three hundred and thirty million. So, if you when you're talking about a democratic society where people vote, like even though I mean losing 5 million hunters is massive but what's equally as massive is that the population we've not we've not had a healthy growth with the population and so i say to like malachi malachi buying a hunting license is significant Mm -hmm. and honestly in the state of arkansas he has done as much for conservation as i have i mean really and so like just buying a hunting license i mean like Buy your spouse a hunting license for no no reason other than just as a as a gift as a as a a a donation to conservation Um, because those hunting. I've never thought
0: about that before, Clay. Because you know I buy a hunting license every year, but really to to help make a difference, you could buy family members. It's Mm -hmm. great. Absolutely.
3: I mean, if all the licensed hunters in Arkansas just said, "You know what? I'm going to buy somebody a hunting license," and would double. I mean. Obviously, you want those people to participate in hunting, but even if they didn't, you're, you've you've doubled the revenue, and all that money is ear tagged to go back into the state organizations that are doing work for conservation in every state. You know, mm-hmm. the other the other way that money comes in, and that's not what this podcast is about, but but is uh you know buying hunting equipment through the Pittman Robertson money that like is uh the tax money that comes from Firearms. Uh, all you guys are into firearms, mm-hmm. big time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, the ammunition that you're buying mm-hmm. is specifically earmarked for conservation. I had no idea. Yeah, Pittman Robertson either. excise tax. Oh, firearms users and hunters are the ones who are funding conservation in this country. You're welcome, so, America. Yeah, you're welcome, America. And that's the that's the problem. So it's not just that. You know, like, I'm a hunter, and I want my culture to persist through time. Like, that that's part of it. Like, this kind of emotional, you know, cultural connection to hunting that, like, I want my great-grandkids, should the earth persist, uh, live through and see. No, th- there's real tangible value to hunters being on the landscape because they fund conservation.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So, less hunters means less Wild places hmm. means less wildlife, and that's that's kind of a hard pill for some people to understand. But that's not why we're here, though, boys. Um, what I want to talk about is man, unprecedented times we live in. Is it not? Yeah. say that again. <laughs> <Yeah>. Absolutely <laughs> unprecedented times, and the you know, and we're, we're talking about the coronavirus. We're talking about just the political instability. We're talking about, I mean the the chaos of riots and looting and we're not going to get into the details of that but to me what i want to do and i think the base level instinct of pretty much any family any person any any head of home you know husband wife is going to want to do is stabilize their families inside of times of instability. Yeah. I mean that whether you are I don't care where you're from, that is the innate desire of parents, of families, whether you're religious, whether you're not religious, whether you live in China, whether you live in New Zealand, whether you live in the United States, whether you live in the urban center of New York City, whether you live in Newton County, Arkansas, you have this innate desire to stabilize your family. And times of crisis times of instability shaking shake that and mm-hmm. people could be like ah, i'm not shaken by this you are a little yeah. bit i mean like i mean has my life really been affected i mean like we've eaten just as much food probably more <laughs> we've uh i mean like yeah. we've not Cinch down the financial belt. I mean, I figured we have probably, I mean, it, like life has been pretty normal for us. So that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not saying you're starved out of food or, but life is different. Life is different than it was. Mm. And, uh, and we have to walk our families. I, I feel like as, as leaders of homes, mm-hmm. and when I say that, you can hear me say that a lot. I mean, I'm talking about husbands and wives, parents, parents, uh, navigating family through all this stuff is significant. But, so the foundation to that though, the the ability to ride a mule through a rough spot in the mountain doesn't come when you get to the rough spot in the mountain. It started in the round pen when you were training it. Mm -hmm. A long, long time ago, the foundations of that animal's connection to the rider, his the writer's connection to know what that animal's, going. you know, you see what I'm saying? So it's like, crisis tests us, all this tests us. So what we're talking about is building family culture. Building family culture. And all you guys, I respect every, all of you for the way that you have built your families. And I think nobody's doing everything right. I mean, yeah. that, that, the word right is a tough one, but we're doing it intentionally. And I know all you guys well enough to know that you're very intentionally yeah. building family culture. And if if you don't hear anything else on this podcast and you know you're just listening to this and like you just want to chew on something my question to you is are you being intentional with the way that you're building your family? And that word building could throw you off and, and let me let me let me say this right here is that uh or I've got a couple of written statements here. Um let's see let's see. We we research and consult almost everything that we want to be proficient at. Mm-hmm. Do we not? Oh, yeah. Like, if you're going to go on a big hunting trip, you're going to learn about it. Yeah. If you want to get into cycling, like, you go to cycling experts and see what they say. Right. Um, but with family stuff, a lot of times people are really isolated. Um, why, why do you think that is?
0: I, I think it can be perceived as weakness to have to rely on some uh, on advice or counsel from someone else Mm -hmm. to build your own family. Yeah. You Mm -hmm. know, when you, when you see, you know, someone who's proficient at hunting and, and you see, you know, I like to fly fish. And so, you know, i I watch other guys. It's like, well, they've had a long history of this and I want to glean from them. But when it comes to your own family, it's a, it's a really a sensitive spot because you don't want to be seen as weak.
5: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or there's, there's the other side of, you 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 get isolated because you don't want to build like mom and dad, or you yeah. don't want to follow their pattern. Yep. And so, so I'm gonna do it on my own. I'm gonna find okay. my own way. And so it's it's almost a comparison of I don't want to do that, so I'm gonna do it my own way.
4: Yeah, and
5: that can that can make you isolated.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, and I think we as people a lot of times are insecure, and and to open ourselves up for somebody else's input, that's pretty vulnerable. Yeah, and it you ha- it takes time of doing that a lot that you learn the value of it yeah and yeah. you're like man the more i open up my life to input the better my life gets the more i learn the more my the better my marriage gets and so i remember even early on um in my marriage and then same with early on when i first had kids like maybe like the first time i kind of like went to some, went to maybe one of you guys or, you know, uh, people older than me that have been married longer, had kids longer, I remember it was almost like, you know, what are they going to say? And like, yeah, yeah. what if I'm doing everything wrong? And, yeah, and, what if I'm
3: invalidated yeah. by what they say? Yeah,
4: exactly. Yeah. And then every time that I did go to people wiser than me, I always got two things. I always got, number one, they related to me. I've never had an issue in my family or marriage Somebody was like, "You struggle with that? Oh my gosh! Like, you're you're a terrible person. Like, (laughs) you have marital struggle. Are you serious?" It's like everything. It's almost like my friends would like fill in the sentence. Oh yeah, and I bet you said this after you did that. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) And then I bet you felt like this. Yeah, and uh, so that was one. That right there is comforting. Yeah, and it shows you that it's safe. And then the second, because you're
3: looking at somebody. That you you perceive has made it through that, and you're yeah. like, well, they're okay, yeah. and they had this problem. Mm-hmm. yeah. And
4: then the second thing is I've always had, and I've always from that received an alternative perspective that I didn't have before. Yes. And it's like every single time I learned that I can't do this on my own, you know, and I know we're I'm jumping right into all this, but like, that's one thing I learned with, with building my family is like there ain't no way I can do this on my own so all and that that's
3: not weakness exactly
4: no. exactly so I think it's it's like this double edged sword it's like we're kind of insecure but we kind of want to do it on our own but at the same time that's really hard so we ended up just kind of feel we. I think people either just feel like a failure or they just kind of build up they kind of just say well this is how I am and this is the way my family's going to be forever not really getting to experience what could be better
3: yeah I think it's a pretty American cultural thing to be really independent with your family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, just, uh, you know, cultures, cultures are built based upon national history. I mean, and like you think about the people that like settled in this region or er heck every region of this country, unless they're, unless they're native Americans, they came here and there was like this pioneer spirit that was on people to, like, bust through the wilderness and make it on their own. People had to be Mm self-sufficient. And, like, here in the Ozarks, that is a trait that is honored, self-sufficiency. I mean, like, at the Newcomb Farm, we hat-tip to the idea of self-sufficiency big time. That's okay. But that cannot be the definer of every part of your life, or you're a fool.
5: Mm -hmm.
3: You know? So, like, yeah, we, we like to hunt some, f- some of our own food, butchering our own animals, grow some stuff, train our, you know. But when it comes to things that I am not an expert on, that I'm incapable, well, anybody could, can have insight into their family and make decisions on their own. We're not, we're not suggesting that somebody is incapable of making decisions on their own. No. But what I'm saying is best practice inside of life is for people to be connected inside mm. of some network of people that they trust, mm-hmm. you know, that mm-hmm. they're getting input. And so, I mean, th- that was just my point: is that like all this other stuff, we're happy to go to YouTube and ask people, and da 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 da. But when it comes to family, don't talk to me about my family. Yeah, yeah. And that's just that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. It's just it just yeah. doesn't, it doesn't even make sense. Yeah, and um, and so, um, family culture. I would describe it as the values, the philosophy and the structure to the way that your family lives its life. And uh and and that culture holds the keys to how your family air quotes will turn out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean like man, we live inside of a dynamic space as humans that live in the earth. Like man, we are but a flake of dirt mm-hmm. that has had life breathed into us. Yeah. I mean, like it is a facade. I mean the, the human experience is such a facade. I mean like it's so easy for us to look at our grandparents who are deceased and it's like, man, there was a time when they were 29 and they were yeah. 40 and they were at the peak of their life. And and now they're gone. It's like we will be like that. Yeah. We have this short period of time in the earth and we're constantly projecting forward. We're projecting forward, like how our children will, you know, what will our children do? Are we equipping our children so they can go out and be successful in the future environment that we don't even know what it is? I'm projecting into my marriage every single day. I'm doing things consciously or unconsciously or consciously that is sowing seed into my relationship with my wife five years from now. I, I, I say that to to Young married guys is don't expect things to get on a five year plan inside your marriage. Start doing stuff today that in five years mm-hmm. your wife is gonna trust you more and and you know like because it takes a while to change stuff sometimes. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, but so you know the very nature of of raising children means that we're investing in in them with the hope of a return on that investment. Uh, not not for us to gain back, but just like, I want my kids to, I don't want my kids to not be able to be, you know, whole humans, you know, and, and here's, here's the crux, is that uh, no human is void of values, philosophy, and culture, like, so everyone has values, and everyone displays those values, and every human life creates a vacuum that's filled with a value system, So you could be like, I don't have a value system. I don't want to have a value system. Well, you just told me your value system. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I mean, really, a human life creates a space that has it has no option but to be filled with values, culture, and philosophy for life. Mm -hmm. Like there's, so if 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 you and I mean that gets right down into, you know. What would be what would be an example of? Uh, well, I've got here. You know, the question is how intentional is it? Yeah. Lots of people. You know, people that have built their life very unintentionally. Yeah. You know, and uh, you also know people that have built their life very intentionally. Right. It's pretty obvious. It is. Yeah. And it's not just by chance. It's not just by luck. It's 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 from intentional and so when we use the word building, like I use we we use that word a lot building. It's like I'm building family culture, Mm -hmm. and 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 that for me is like, uh, and I know for you guys as well. I mean, it doesn't mean that like we have like Newcomb Family School every day. No, we're we're just living our life.
5: Yeah, that's that's when I was thinking about this the other day. One of my first memories of Clay was not with Clay it was with his kids cuz I used to teach at a, um at the school that his yeah. kids went to yeah. and I can remember his kids like bringing in like bear fat mm-hmm. to to tell what the weather is <laughs> going to be or bringing in like skins of coon and raccoons and you know foxes and stuff like that and I remember that standing out cuz all the kids did it and what it was showing me it was like hey they like to hunt and and they value kind of giving back to conservation or and it just really stood out to me because i got a flavor of who clay was through its kids and i knew it's like that's something he was intentionally building inside of his home
3: yeah yeah what would be an example of of values because i sometimes those words like values philosophy and culture like what what would be an example of like family values
5: I think openness, I would say for me, mm-hmm. one would be openness. You know, I've only been married for three and a half years. And in our first year, one of the things that we always did, we called it um, Nichols family hours. Like every every week, once a week, we sat down and we just talked about the hard stuff. What was hard inside the home? Mm-hmm. What what was frustrating? You know, what things? And that really did build a pattern inside of our marriage where we, were, if we we're frustrated, we talk about it. Yeah. Right. If we if we had a hard day, we talk about it. It's something that our spouse was doing that was irritating us, we talked about it. And so we value communication and openness. Yeah. And I knew if I didn't do that at the beginning, it wouldn't be built, right? Because I'm just not naturally open. I just don't naturally talk. So that's talk. something you had to work yeah, at. Yeah, something I had to work at. Had de- so, develop yeah.
3: that muscle inside mm-hmm. of you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And so the opposite of that would be if you didn't communicate, well, yeah. you would actually be building a value of non-communication. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's like, it's not, this isn't like, yeah, I think I'll have some values. It's like, no, you've got values. Yeah, exactly. You've got philosophy.
0: Mm-hmm. You've
3: got culture. Just, are you doing it on purpose?
5: Yeah.
0: And the expression of that to your children, whether you say it or not, um, you know, you can you can tell a family that's not open and communicative because the the children have the attitude of oh we can't talk about that mm. you know what I mean you can see it on a kid yeah. when yeah. they have frustrations when they oh we don't we just bottle that up and move on mm-hmm. yeah you know?
4: yeah yeah that whole thing about openness the opposite i think is like privacy and that that's a value in our culture as well in america the independence the privacy you're your own person and yeah when you let if you let your kid retreat and not talk about something, or in your marriage, if you just decide there's just places we don't go in our conversation, yeah. Then you are establishing a value system, like you're saying, yeah. And the I think what you're saying earlier about projecting is so important because that can sound good in the short term of like oh, privacy, disrespectful. And and I'm and sometimes you got to give people space, and we know oh. as married people you got to give each other space sometimes. But if you project to the future, you got to be aware of what that's going to build over time. And I think this whole thing about you value something, whether it's this or that, there's no such thing as no value system. I think if you become just aware of that reality, you're ahead of the game on 90% of humans on the Mm -hmm. earth. Because most people kind of go through autopilot, just kind of cruising along, doing whatever they think or feel. Yeah, and that awareness is just super key, and it's super practical. It's not always like deep stuff. Like most people, when they talk about values, they think of like integrity, honesty, and that's true. Those are important, but it's the simple stuff too. Like, like in my family, we value routine. Like we have a pretty solid routine, and that's just kind of how we roll. But at the same time, we, my wife and I, have talked about it. Like sometimes we need to be more flexible. Cause so like the opposite of routine would be flexibility, and yeah. we've looked at our life and sometimes how we get stressed out, and we'd we'll be like, we need to be more flexible. We're teaching our kids not to be flexible. We're teaching them to be controlling and you know routine based. Because me and my wife we're like big planners. We like everything planned out. So we'll pur- sometimes Jessica and I will purposely do something to like. Jack up our routine so that the our kids on purpose blow it up. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So our kids know that mom and dad are you know are free sometimes and And they see your response to that. and see my response. Yeah, exactly. So it's not always again this deep stuff like integrity and compassion, which those are great, but it's sometimes just like how do you perceive your own day-to-day life? That's your value system.
3: Yeah, that's good. Um I use this word philosophy like you know family like every family would have a a, a philosophy um I'm trying to define what that would be and I, I thought of an example like you know we have a philosophy that uh short term gain for long term excuse me short term <laughs> sacrifice for long term gain I mean it's it's a, that's a philosophy
0: mm-hmm. yeah
3: that it's like yeah you can you got to clean your room. You got to do this. And then you can go do this. Or, you know, whether it's my son who loves playing basketball, it's like he, uh, like he, he, he's building, he, he really takes it serious, very disciplined. And we, we like that. Um, so, you know, I'm trying to d- define what these things would be. So values, philosophy, and then culture. Um, So here's the question. Why would somebody even care? I mean, maybe, you know, a lot of these things people do by default and don't even realize it, and maybe you're doing good stuff. Yeah. You know, so that's very possible. Like, there's some people that just kind of have, you know, are are doing stuff, maybe not intentionally, but still they have some good stuff happening. But I, I, you know, a well-ordered life and family gives a person options. You know, like to me, like, and not to take this back to hunting, like hunting is like the ultimate goal for every person that's listening inside of this. Hunting is just a facet of my life. But this is a hunting podcast where we're giving people, yeah. you know, we're, we're talking about it. But like, if you're your family and your relationships in your life are the foundational platform that everything in your life stems from yeah that's just the truth um, and so if your family and your relationships is is chaos or unordered or you know there's some something crazy going on or eh, that's not the best way to describe it. you are not going to be able to have the liberty to do what you want to do. Yeah. I mean the way I've said it is is when you have your value system in order then all the things beneath that are, you're able to really give yourself to like, I've really been able to give myself to hunting for the last uh, most of my life, but really the last 15 years. And there's a direct connection between that and having a family that was in order because, you know, if it was causing so much friction in my marriage, like I wouldn't be able to do what I do, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, And, uh, and so and, and just like in even in your job, I mean, it's like if you got, if you're if you're not building family culture, you're, you know, you're gonna have a hard time being successful really at anything that you do, you know. And I, I think there's part of this conversation is just hopefully gonna help people just just hear a different conversation about it. Because there's little things that can be done where wherever anyone is at little things that can be done. Um, and uh, and that's powerful stuff. Um, you know, I kind of broke this down thinking about, like, internal family culture and then external family culture. And the two being, like, kind of like uh, internal value systems, but then there's external family culture, like hunting. Like yeah. like you described with my kids, like, yeah. 10 years ago,
5: uh-huh.
3: bringing, bringing stuff to school. Like, that would be, to me, like, external family right. culture. Like, we value hunting. We right. value yeah. this. Um, but the, the 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 internal stuff starts at the top. And uh, family culture is primarily built behind closed doors and decisions that nobody sees.
0: Yeah.
3: I love that about mm. life is that there's some things that you cannot, you can't fake, you know, I mean and that's the that's the crazy part of the world we live in is like with social media and stuff people can yeah people can put off a perception yeah of themselves but you can't you can't fake out reality you know yeah and um and so a statement that I have here is that you know, the power to proclaim a standard only holds the power when the proclaimer lives out those standards. Yeah. And so, you know, that falls back on to, to me and to us is that like inside of our families, like if we, we can't ask our kids to do something that we're not willing to do.
0: The old classic line of do as I say, not as I do does not work. It just doesn't (laughs) work. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It does. It, it doesn't work. So you can't, you can't build something that's not inside of you, already. You know, and so that's that's where the personal responsibility of all this is cool because, you know, we can clean up our own selves. You know, mm-hmm. it
0: really it really is the entry point, Clay. I mean, that's the the entry point for a value system is through whoever leads it, and so your value system is not going to be built by your children. It's not going to be built accurately through your wife it's going to be built through you as the head of your home uh, it, you know and that's and that's the way we've we've uh, we've done it in our houses you know I've got to have enough sight to say this is what my family needs and this is what my wife needs and then you know my wife Christy and I we, we work really closely together to partner and produ- to produce things in our children's lives and that doesn't happen without us identifying it mm-hmm. you know what do we want to build in our home? Because if we can't write it down, it's not going to be built right. If we can't articulate it, it's not going to be built right. So as we talk and as we think of of systematic ways to implement those things in our family and in our kids and, you know, for us to say what's important, what do we want for our children? where were the shortcomings in our own lives where we want to invest in our kids to give them something better and i think probably if you've listened to this podcast this far in you have that same desire is to give your your children something better what do you want to better.
3: say to all the guys that aren't listening anymore <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you you probably have a desire to give your children something even better than you had and so you know i think that that identification of those things and then implementing it in your own life to give your children something to model. Kids need some... They, kids are imitators, you know. Yep. What they see is what they do. So right now what they're seeing is they're seeing things on Facebook, they're seeing things on TV, they're seeing things in athletes, they're seeing th- things in all these different areas that will define them if you don't take your rightful place as their their parents. So mm-hmm. I, I, unfortunately... Um, in our society these days, we have a lot of parents that have forgotten what it means to be a parent,
1: yeah. and
0: they're letting other people and other things and other influences be parents for their children. Yeah. So,
5: and and to an aside to that is also that you don't wait till you have kids to start building. That's culture, right, Malcolm. Exactly. Right? You you even if you're a single guy, it's like you start now of building your values. Even yeah. my wife and I, we don't have kids, but we started when we said I do. building values that we want to be transferred into our children and it starts now it's it doesn't it doesn't hurt if you've never thought about it and you have kids start today yeah Yeah. but you have to have i like what josh said it's us it's my wife and i you sit down and and that's one thing that we've tried to build inside of our home is the aspect of team Right. Yeah. We're we're not competing against each other. Right. I'm not counting the how many times you're washing the dishes. It's like we're a team. We're building yeah, one thing good. and that's the Nichols culture. That's the Nichols family. That's the the things we've we have articulated and the things we want to see built in our children. Let's build it now. Yeah. That way when we have children, there's already a pathway for them to to step into and they can learn the ways and and see the ways. I think yeah. that's important. It's not just here our values or hear the culture, but it's seeing it, seeing it being displayed. I think that's a, that's an important thing.
4: Cause it's the foundation marriage. Yeah. A family is just a set of relationships, right? And that first relationship is that marriage. Uh-huh. I like Josh, when you talked about, you know, giving them this gift, like, which is you're talking about like modeling these values. One of the greatest gifts you can give your kids is an example of a healthy, functional Good marriage. Absolutely. Yeah. Because they ain't gonna find many examples in the media today. And that's one of the greatest sources of joy in life. Yeah. It's the greatest source of hard work. And uh but it's a great source of joy. And I want my kids to when they become adults to know what that looks like and be excited for that. And so what you know, you said at the beginning of Malachi setting the foundation because he didn't have kids yet. It's like that's exactly right. Like I remember in our marriage, first couple of years were rough, man. It was intense, and we worked some things out for sure. And we I came- used
0: to drive by the Legros house; you could hear it from
4: <laughs> <laughs> it was like a cartoon that the roof
5: would jump up and down. <laughs> <laughs> that's
4: good. That's good. Uh, and but we came through that uh, different people and so much more patient. So much more tolerant, um, so much more in love, because we chose to to deal with those things head on, and it's never too late for that. You know, it's like, it's like we still have issues come up, just like any marriage, but we built a culture. This is talking about culture. The culture in my home is like we deal with it. You know, it might not happen overnight, but we deal with it. We might have to bring in some help or talk to some people or. But we're we're gonna deal with it. Yeah. And um and therefore like my kids don't have to live with that, you know, what some kids might deal with, which is the awkwardness of of that tension in that relationship. Cause that's a that's a weird thing to cohabitate with. Uh, you know, two people that, that struggle in that. So that's I think that's a big time gift we can give our children as an example of good marriage.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's good. Um, hmm. So much, so much good stuff here. Um, I'm trying to, I, I want to give it, I, I guess people, I, sometimes I hear stuff and I, I want people to be more specific. And I'm not talking about you guys, but like, uh, like, like really map out, you know, exactly what we're talking about. Uh, you know, what is family culture? Um, but I, I think I think we get we've given some good examples in here, of of what it is. But ultimately, you know, strong leadership inside a family is rooted inside of rooted inside of a balanced person that really loves the people that mm-hmm. they're close to. Mm-hmm. You know, like and I, is
0: willing to sacrifice for them.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like the the. You know, my kids are getting older. My oldest daughter's eighteen and uh and I, I couldn't be more proud of the the human that she is. And uh man, if there's one thing that I could say is that relationship with your kids, authentic relationship with them is so powerful. And that's what has that's what has made, you know, my kids and not there's they're not perfect. We're working with all of them on different stuff Mm -hmm. all the time. So don't, don't hear me say that they're perfect, but just that relationship and that relationship means we can talk about anything. We do talk about anything. There's nothing that's off the table. And that didn't start when they were 14. Mm -hmm. That started when they were three. Yeah. You know, that they had a healthy view of who we were. They had a healthy view of our love for them. Um, and we made plenty of mistakes. Man, that's the beautiful thing about it. Mm-hmm. You can make a lot of mistakes uh in 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 your kids and your family still work out right if things are built in such because relationship is very robust. Mm-hmm. Real human relationship is robust. Mm-hmm. Like, man, even anthropologically, like from a like you know, human culture started as these, like, bands of nomadic people. The bands of nomadic people that were successful, and if we take it right back down to biology, um, biological, biological success means that you produce viable offspring, okay? You produce children that are able then to reproduce, if we're just talking, like, biological success. Well, the people that knew how to leverage community relationships were the ones that were biologically successful. Stragglers were picked off by wolves. Yeah. I mean, literally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was uh there there's all this study about like uh the traits that have made people like biologically successful. But I I just say all that to say um well, I've lost my train of thought. Dog got it. I was getting into the anthropology of it all. I, I was drifting he, back he, to the he Bering got, Strait. Got in the weeds and got tripped up. Yeah, I was. I was in the Bering Strait, imagining the crossing people over, crossing <laughs> over. But no, no, no. Just it's it's deep inside of us to want to connect uh-huh. to community. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's deep inside. Like to leverage the strength of human relationships is is powerful. And I always say this, man. The the very foundation of hunting is provision for the people that that person values. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like that's why I think hunting it's so bizarre that in this day and age that there are people that that say hunting is not something that should exist or they don't understand it. Like hunting is essentially a key definer, a diagnostic definer of what it means to be human. Projectile points, making tools and weapons to kill animals, to procure protein, to bring it back to your family is a diagnostic thing that says, oh, that's a human and not a giraffe.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah,
3: Really, diagnostic, the word diagnostic would mean like nothing else does that. Like mm-hmm. if it has that trait, then it is this. Nothing else is making stone points. Nothing else is making slick trick broadheads. Nothing else is, uh, <laughs> is making 300 wind Mag shells. <laughs> Di- that is diagnostic, and and I like to bring the hunting, the hunting thing back to kind of this original narrative because it is it is true. Like my family eats wild game, I go out, harvest wild game, bring back to my family, provide for them healthy meat, and and in a way, it's a, it's a metaphor for leadership for provision. It's a metaphor for. Um, the way that i want my life to be for them i want my kids and my wife to be able to say i receive resource from this guy because he he's he's my protector he's my shade he's my help and i mean i i do the same thing with my i mean my wife is that to me in a lot of ways yeah you know
0: clay i, I was just going to say one of the things you know just in communication with with the listeners out there just the de- the the difference between values and definers, you know we talk about definers like being a hunter and and uh, you know, whatever whatever you might be versus values are things that are that are who a person is internally, yeah. you know, integrity, honesty, hard working, you know, caring, you know, right. those those are the difference. You you can't build you can't build a value system on what you do. It's who you are.
4: Right. Yeah. Uh, right. I tell you what, I've been thinking just while we're talking about links between all this and hunting. And I realized that one of the biggest like family culture moments that really shaped us had to do with hunting. And this was uh, a few years ago. I used to own a couple acres and it backed up to 20 acres of woods. And, um, and I figured out, I was just kind of tromping around there and found some signs, some deer signs. I was like, this is cool. There's deer back in here. Figured out who owned the land. And she was like this developer lived in Florida and just didn't care. And she's like, yeah, sure. You can hunt on it, whatever you want. And um, and this was a few years ago. I think I only had two kids and they were real young. And I, I hadn't hunted in a while because I moved up here and didn't have anywhere to go. So I was like, this could be the resurrection of my hunting career. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I remember that. Yeah, yeah. It's like 20 acres behind my house. Nobody's really hunting it. So I was like, I'll put the up the a, resurrection the the resurre- <laughs> hunting career. So I put a game camera up and lo and behold, there were two bucks regularly through there. One of them was very large. Both of them were shooters. One of them was very large. And I was like, holy cow <laughs> <laughs> got a got an automatic feeder up there, started getting started tracking it more regularly. Because I did have limited time just working and taking care of kids. And I started investing more and more time out there. And when I say it's close, I mean, this, where I was going to put up the stand, I mean, it's probably just like 300 yards from my house or less. And um, so I was getting all ready to go. And then uh, hunting season was about to start. And I was talking to my wife about it. She's real uneasy about it of kind of like, yeah, I guess I'll like watch the kids. During those mornings and and evenings all the time because she get,
3: hadn't probably eaten much wild game either had she at n- that time no
4: she wasn't a huge fan of it okay. <laughs> but she knew it was important to me you know and so like she she let <laughs> she let me go in a sense but I, I I remember um I just remember when it was finally time to like sit on the stand and go out there and hunt it just felt off man. It just felt, it felt off. It felt like, like, man, this, I know this seems, it seemed like destiny, you know, the land, the buck. (laughs) I mean, it was like perfect. Everything was perfect. And it, for plenty of guys and families that might've been perfect, you know, but something felt off. And I remember going, I remember coming back and just telling her, I was, and she's like, aren't you going to hunt? It's like, I was like, I don't know. I don't, it just feels off. I don't know if this is the season for me. And I think right now, while the kids are little, like, I think I'll stay here. And it was like this massive weight off of her lifted. She's like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that you did that. <laughs> um, and it, it meant so much to her. And it wasn't even like I was doing it just for her. It was like, it just felt off. I can't describe right, it. Right. And that sacrifice, which was a sacrifice at first, it hurt. It was like golly, because you know, I, I it was I was so close. Right. It what was a sacrifice turned into being a reward? Because I have built so many great memories with my kids, and there was never this from what was right for me was not trying to like two time it. Like yeah. I'm gonna try to just, like fit in the time of the girls and get to my hunting. In. It's just like it's not the season for it, and and I know someday it will be, and I know yeah. someday that will be right. And my, my oldest daughter, I've already got her interested in hunting. She's like, she's about ready to go. She's already yeah. into fishing and stuff. Yeah. I'm really excited. Um, and that'll be a whole different dynamic because it's it's building memories. Well,
3: that's that short-term sacrifice exactly, for long-term gain.
4: Exactly. Like,
3: you know, there'll be a time when it's right. And I'm really glad you brought that up because people need to understand timing. You yeah. know, like, like people, like especially people that are inside of like social media, Instagram. I mean, you're going to see you're going to see all these people posting all the stuff that they're doing and you just like ah oh, it's the time you know i got to get out there i got to get out there got to get out there yeah man there i didn't hunt like i hunt now when i was at Ben's stage yeah i didn't and it, that's the that's the difficulty of social media or comparison
4: mm-hmm.
3: uh you know of like and, and and that's where families can get messed up and that's where, you know, I don't ever want, like, my my influence to get people to do something, which I'm constantly trying to get people to hunt. Like, that's what I do. Mm-hmm. But I don't... People have to take it and then put it back up against their life and say, does this fit? And everybody has a different amount that it fits. And so when Malachi Nichols felt the Clay Newcomb push against his family... <laughs> He was to get like, a boat No We ain't getting a boat <laughs> it's true It is true And I think
5: And I think That kind of Brings up If you're looking for a tool Of how you could build culture Inside of your family It's what Ben said of like, he talked to his wife and a, a weight was released. And inside of my my life, is like a, a tool to know is this the way to go? Is communicating with my wife. Yeah. If like, are we in agreement? Also, oh, Lindsay was the one that said no. <laughs> I'm yeah. throwing my papers in. Here. <laughs> like, are It'll we in agreement in, in building yeah, this and, and this is direction? So I think that's a to to combat the media. And the thing that is trying to push you and pull you to go in a certain direction—it's ha- yeah. is, is your team, is your your home unit, in yeah. agreement? Is this is the way we should go? And I think that's right. a that's a powerful tool to 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 navigate absolutely building life and, and navigate you know, timing.
3: You use, and that's a good. I'm glad you said that word. You use different things to build family culture. You, you use like we could use. I use hunting as a tool to build values inside of my family. I use hunting as a mechanism to build relationship with them. I mean, I spend a ton of time with my kids hunting and then hunting related stuff. If, if they were doing other activities, we would not spend the arm's reach time together that we do. So it's like I'm using that as a tool. Yeah. And so, I mean, you just got to see if it fits. Is this a tool to really build something into my family? And I've said this before, like, there's this narrative in the hunting community, you know, take your kid hunting, and, and you, you're going to have this, like, great kid. That's not true. Mm-hmm. Hunting is not going to save your kid. No. Um, if you have a really strong relationship with your kid, and you use hunting as a vehicle for human relationship, then yes, you're it's going to help your kid. And, and that's, what I've, that's what I've tried to do. And, uh, and, and people can do that with a lot of different stuff. But uh, you know, for this context, we're talking about we're talking about some hunting, but using it as a tool.
4: Yeah, I was thinking about the, this whole thing of sacrifice too, and and uh, talking with our spouses now because I've I've really shown Jessica like I'll sacrifice anything for my family. Like if I was to go to her and be like, "Hey, so and so wants me wants to go hunting that weekend," you know, what do you think? She'd be like, "Go, oh, man!" It's like yeah. she wants to share in that joy because I'm not always trying to. Do that, exactly. you know. Exactly. She trusts my heart, and that I am thinking of her first, you yep. know. And on that note, I went hunting with my dad last fall and killed the biggest buck of my life. So it yes. just kind of worked out. Yes, she did. <laughs> so uh, hey,
3: she likes wild game now, though, doesn't
4: she? She's it's she's slowly acquiring it. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. <laughs> she's slowly acquiring yeah, it. Yeah. Maybe don't start her out with possum. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'll just say Does there's Christy. Yeah. Likes deer meat. Yeah. We we use deer meat for everything. Yeah, fajitas, chili.
3: Lindsay's zee. cool with. Uh...
5: Yeah, most of our, our I would say all of my wild game eating has happened at the Newcomb Farm, <laughs> right. and that is a true statement. Yeah, and all of her wild game eating has happened at the Newcomb Farm, and we have been and we have liked it. We still come back.
3: Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Well, um, I think I've said what I wanted to say. I mean, I just want people. If 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 they don't remember anything, or well, what are we? What are we going to say to all the guys that aren't listening anymore? Oh, no, we can talk bad about them because they're not listening. I think they got it all figured out. Don't they? <laughs> <laughs> I'll see no, you in five years. No, no, no. We, you know, the time. Usually on this podcast, we're talking to experts about hunting, like, and that's what we like to talk about. That's what this context is designed for. But it just seems like with all the stuff going on, it was time to have a little bit more serious podcast. And if nothing else, just build your family intentionally. Don't look, wake up in 10 years and realize that there was something that, you know, you you are building something right now. That's the main thing. You're building something. Make sure it's on purpose. And and ultimately, you know, I was reading a book. Well, I'm going to say it before. Sometimes I start to say something and then realize there's a big backstory behind it that has to be said. (laughs) I get into the backstory and I forget what I was originally going to say. I'm doing it now. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I'm doing it now. Um, I read a book, a real famous author from the 1800s, Stevenson, who wrote, I can't remember what he wrote, but I'm reading this book called uh, Travels with a Donkey. It's a little bitty book written in like old English. And uh, and this guy said, he said a quote that I liked because it's true. I think it's true. He said that the reward of life is a man's friends.
1: Huh.
3: He it was really beautifully written, and that's just but he said, The reward of life is a man's friends. And it's so it's so true. And I've been yeah. saying it for a while is that hunting would have little value if it weren't for friends that we could share stuff yeah. with.
4: Yeah. Like, Absolutely.
3: It really does. I mean, I don't care if you're, like, the biggest, baddest hunter on Instagram and you, you know, you you receive a lot of stuff from your friends mm-hmm. and even your haters. Like, there, there's, there's a lot of um, – so – a lot of our value that we get from stuff happens from being able to share it, you know? And, uh, and that's the way it's supposed to be. We're, we're such, uh, you know, I think sometimes we, we miss that point is that like, we really ought to be experts at human relationship. Mm -hmm. That's how that's, that's big success in a lot of areas of life. It's the hardest
0: wildlife to tame.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Well, we just did a podcast a few days ago with some, biologist and they said uh the guy said uh he said uh he had heard a biologist say i use more of what i learned in the bar dealing with humans as a bartender this, i'm not promoting bartending um then he did use his wildlife biology degree he's a wildlife biologist you with me,
4: yeah. yeah. All
3: the guys are just like half grinning, looking at me, going like, What are you saying? <laughs> he was saying, as a wildlife biologist, he manages people yeah. more than he actually manages science of biology, dealing with yeah. people. Yeah. yeah,
4: that's right.
3: Closing comments, guys. What are your thoughts? Did we well, miss anything? I mean, what do, we, what, do, what, do we, what do we need to say? Are we done?
0: Uh, I think, I think we want to, what I want to communicate is just, you know, you're not alone you know, you need people.
3: Yeah.
0: And, uh, the, the great thing is, is that, is that experience is something that, that someone can share, you know, it's not just something that you have that you can't give away. And I think, I think that, that, uh, we've had some good experience. We've made some bad decisions, but we've made some good decisions too. And, uh, you know, for, for Clay and I, who's, who our kids are getting older, We've seen the 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 benefit of the sacrifices and the decisions that we've made and uh, and you know watching Ben lead his girls and w- it, you see the the good fruit and you see where um, there's decisions where you could have made that that would have been better for them and so we want to be able to share that with people um, to know that that uh, there's a way to do it that that really produces good fruit you know my wife talks a lot about um, you know, having kids is like having an orchard and you, you plant and you fertilize and you water and uh you know, now our kids are getting to the age where we're just picking the fruit and enjoying it. Yeah. And uh, you know, I think I think we want that for everybody out there to really have a family that, that you can enjoy. There's nothing worse than not liking your own family, mm-hmm. you know, or would <laughs> rather be somewhere else than with your own family. Or
3: your close friends that won't. Go in with on on a boat. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. (laughs) Yeah, nobody (laughs) wants a friend like that. But uh, yeah, anyway, it's worth it. The investment is worth it. It's the best investment you can make.
3: Yeah. Closing thought.
4: Yeah, I I just I was thinking about how when people think talk about parenting, a lot of times the focus is on not just parenting but culture. The focus is on like behavior. Yeah. And I think what I want to say is that. You are the family culture. It starts with you. Yeah, I'm saying you to like everybody, like and me. It starts there, and before you can expect, because when you start, especially with small kids, you're like, how in the world do I get them to stop screaming their head off? You know, you're like all these behaviors you want to fix. It's like, well, start with you and what you got to deal with. And and I know that. um, And I shared this analogy with you the other day, but I just bought a puppy recently. He's a registered Brittany. Beautiful dog. I'm really proud of him. Started training him. It's, I'm not making him a bird dog. I'm just training him as a family pet. And I've trained dogs before. And, Why
3: didn't you get a squirrel dog?
4: Huh?
3: Why didn't you get a squirrel dog?
4: <laughs> I've interact. Carry on. i yeah, just yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't want to hurt making, your feelings. Uh,
3: I've been making uh, Instagram posts about family pets. Go ahead. I, I was
4: actually going to bring him in here, but I thought he'd pee in your office, so I didn't want to do that. <laughs> I thought about bringing him. He's sitting at home alone right now. But anyway... Um, so I've trained dogs before, and it back I, I, when I was younger. and I remember it was all about how do I get them to do blank? How do I going to do that? But it was all about the behavior. And I was sharing you with this, you, sharing this with you the other day of how it's like now that I've parented, it's like my perspective is totally different towards the dog. Like all I've been doing is is like communicating to him that I care about him and that I'm his authority figure. Yeah, almost just like can I get this dog to know me and respect me? And it's just totally different. And it's like, and it's made the training easier because there's already a relationship. And that's why dogs, I love dogs is because they, they're relational with humans so much more than other pets. But I was like, golly, that's just like with my kids. Like I don't actually, to me, it's not really as important of this, their behavior as much as like, do they know my heart?
3: Yeah.
4: And so I've got to, I've got to focus on that versus, you know, trying to get them straightened up or whatever. Yeah, that's good. Mr. Nichols.
5: I would say I'm a very practical guy, and I think you can hear this podcast and think, where do I start, right? And you try to maybe take a big bite of, I'm going to build family culture. I think it's Mm -hmm. just starting just one decision. Like, what do you value? And and focus on that for the next two months. It's like if you want to value communication, focus on being more communicative with your wife and with your children, right? Mm -hmm. If you want to, if you want to value being, having a a servant heart and serve people, focus on that for, for the next month or two months. It's it's not taking a big chunk of life and let me build family culture and family values, but it's just make one right decision each day, make the next right decision, make the next right decision. And then you'll wake up 10 years from now and you realize you've built something. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And, we as humans are naturally designed to build something but yeah. it takes one step at a time
3: yeah that's good great well thanks guys thanks a ton appreciate it yeah, hey man. I just want to say too
0: you really know how to how to treat a podcast guest too with that breakfast this morning yeah. yep. oh, do you yeah, treat all your podcast guests that way? no oh wow special, uh, special. all
3: past podcast guests don't are t- tell <laughs> them are like
4: <laughs> breakfast was included what? Yeah.
3: <laughs> no no don't tell them Don't tell them. All right, guys. Man, I'm trying to think there was something I was going to. uh... That's it. We're done. Keep the wild places wild because that's where the bears live.